Welcome to another episode of Not So Gentle Reminder. I am Dr. Christina, a board-certified pediatric emergency medicine doc. And I'm Dr. Vicki, a board-certified neonatal intensivist. We are friends and pediatricians who survived our training to become skilled but salty physicians. We are excited to share with you our evidence-based take on important pediatric topics. This episode is going to be a practical episode. We're going to be talking about thermometers. There are a sea of options in case you haven't taken a gander on the internet. Whole different series of price points, and we will go through the different advantages and disadvantages. The general types of thermometers that exist are rectal thermometer, oral thermometer, axillary or under the armpit, a temporal artery thermometer, which is the superficial temporal artery is sort of on the side of your forehead. They have both contact as well as contact less, so either touching the skin or not touching the skin, an infrared thermometer, tympanic or in-ear thermometers, as well as a pacifier thermometer. I think before we really deep dive each of the individual ones, one of the big things that we want to get across here is that, unfortunately, a rectal thermometer is often going to be the most accurate thermometer, especially for babies. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that you are using them well into their toddlerhood to be able to confidently say that the temperature that you measured is, in fact, the temperature of your tiny human. That is just the general opener. Now we'll move a little bit deeper on each different kind, talking about the advantages, disadvantages, some strategies, some some tricks, things that we can impart about what to use and why. So the first one to talk about is that rectal thermometer. It's the most accurate measure of core temperature, or the body's temperature, uninfluenced by the local environment. It doesn't vary with whether or not your child is being air conditioned into an ice cube or sweated in a hot room, but it's frightening. Parents are nervous, and if you feel weird about this, if this sort of gives you the heebie-jeebies, you are not alone. There are instructional options on YouTube. There are videos. There's cartoon options. There's images that you can see to make sure that you're getting in there not too deeply, but deeply enough to accurately measure it. And we'll put a link in our show notes for that. But you should know that if this wigs you out, you are not alone. Lots of other people find this sort of terrifying to horrible. In 1993, the British Medical Journal surveyed parents and asked about measuring their temperatures rectally, what they were worried about. And it's exactly what you can expect. Parents are terrified of hurting their child. There's discomfort in terms of positioning their child. There's child's feelings. Blessedly, most children will not remember this, but also there's an anxiety about the concept of sexualizing, temperature taking. So lots of quite common fretting and worries about rectal temperatures, but it still matters to take that temperature rectally. How come? It often actually helps us determine whether or not there's more things that we should be doing afterwards. And some of those more things can include things that are more invasive. There was a very large-scale study from the Danish Medical Journal in 2020 that compared variation from temporal artery thermometers versus rectal thermometers, which are often thought of as the gold standard. And there was actually a variation of almost 2 degrees Celsius. It was 1.7 degrees Celsius between the two, which is a huge deal. It would determine in some cases whether or not a child needed additional blood work done, whether or not they needed a lumbar puncture or a spinal tap. So while you might think that the rectal temperature is the most invasive thing that you could possibly perform on your darling angel, it might really determine what comes next. As kids get older, you have a lot more options. And generally speaking, you have to take a little bit of a, a 
thought about what you think is most appropriate for your child. You're not going to coax a two-year-old into holding a thermometer underneath their tongue. Your child needs to be old enough to use that oral thermometer. You're also not going to coax a teenager into using a rectal thermometer. No, no, definitely not. The oral thermometer is used often as the gold standard or using the sublingual pocket, which is basically the pocket underneath the tongue on either side. If you take a look at your own tongue in the mirror and you know there's that line right down the middle, pick a side, any side, and you tuck the thermometer back there. And that is the gold standard for the older children. Generally speaking, we have left the glass-mercury combo behind. I still have mine. Well, for those of us who don't have them, it's because we've moved on from creating superhero children by mistake. But there are a lot of digital readouts that are very quick. They're not very expensive. And they do become the gold standard as soon as you can get your three or four-year-old to cooperate. And I will leave that to you to judge when you think your child is ready. There is one oral thermometer that I really wish it didn't exist. I understand why it exists, but in, you know, your baby world. I'm sure you might see it more often or get some questions more often. What about that pacifier? This is such a marketing ploy and this is such a genius product that I wish worked but doesn't so it's not a genius product. It's a thermometer that's essentially a pacifier. You require the child to keep it in their mouth. The measurement can take between two to four minutes, which is forever when it comes to a little baby keeping something in their mouth. And when a lot of these have been studied, the average time to actually showing you a reading has been three to six minutes. I don't know what you're doing with your child in that time, but you're probably driving yourself fully bananas. I don't know any baby that's kept awake while sick and miserable their pacifier in their mouth for six minutes without movement. I think you're going to be seeing a lot of spat out thermometers and inaccurate measurements. And some people will say, add a degree here and there. And that just adds, in addition to whatever the technique issues are, another layer of inaccuracy in a population where we cannot afford that inaccuracy. So rectal is a plus, oral is a go for those patients that are old enough. And then the other kind would to think about might be axillary thermometers. So can you tell us a little bit about those? Similarly, axillary thermometers have mostly been used as a screening tool because when we have initially studied them, they are not as accurate as the two gold standards we just talked about. In part, it's kind of if you think about tucking something under your own armpit, if you are a squirmy, sweaty, wiggly toddler, it's a little difficult. Or if you're a squirmy, sweaty adult physician like myself it can be really difficult. This is another one of those times where there can be some erroneous guidance that you should just add a degree. So in some cases, the way people use axillary temperatures is we'll give this a go. If it's hitting that threshold that we're concerned about, we're then going to move on to the next best way. I think cut out the middleman and use something that's a little bit more accurate. There was another big development in thermometer technology when we discovered we measure the heat that comes from the tympanic membrane or the membrane that separates your external ear from your middle ear. Learning how to position is a little bit of an art here. It's not stabbing. It's not stabbing, incidentally. Luckily, they're very shallow, so you're not going to inflict damage on your child. But the biggest thing is this is not for children who are six months and under because their ear canal is not big enough. So any whiffy poo of little earwax is just going to totally obscure the tympanic membrane and you have no idea what's going under there. When you are taking a position, the overall goal is that you are pulling the ear up so you're trying to straighten that eardrum. And then the way that I describe it is it's almost like you're pointing the thermometer towards the opposite eye because your ear canal points a little bit forward and that can 
can be the most accurate way to get that reading. This one, we've studied it in terms of determining the children who have a temperature, that they truly have a fever. The sensitivity was about 77%, which if you're using it on a scale of 100, and we will talk a little bit about what is sensitivity, it's basically a fancy statistical way for us to show the ability of whatever we're testing to correctly identify the patients that have the thing that we're looking for. So in this case, can we use the thermometer to correctly identify patients? patients who have a fever to actually show a fever on that thermometer. So 77 out of 100% is not terrible, but if you compare it to a rectal thermometer, which is about 96 to 98%, it then is a pretty big number there. There was another fun new technology that came up, and you might have seen it if you brought your kid to the doctor or to the emergency department recently, which sort of looks a little swipey. Yeah, it's the way that I've had my temperature measured kind of hilariously across contexts as we've survived this pandemic, including when I've been out in humid 100 degree New York City or frigid zero degree New York City. And the numbers have been such baloney that neither myself nor the screeners have ever known what to do with them. We just sort of say, okay, well, we tried. Onwards we go. Go in to do whatever you were doing. That just tells you how not ideally accurate this is at this artery. So it's close to the skin. Obviously, if your face is not in a bubble, and most of our faces are not, can really be subject to environmental influences, either the contact version where they touch you or the wand-waving non-contact version. There is a convenience and an ease offered to this. So this is often used in emergency departments, and it can be more of a screening tool rather than truly determining if something has a fever. And what you often do especially if the person is under two years old, is confirm it with a rectal temperature because of that inaccuracy. There was a study in 2020 looking at about 12,000 patients to check that sensitivity. Again, that's the ability to detect something when it is there. And that showed about a 76% sensitivity. So not terrific if you have other tools and if that fever is consequential. In a teenager, not hugely. In a kid attending daycare, some. And in a tiny baby child, a lot incredibly important. So I would not recommend this for those tiny baby children. And then finally, when it comes to increasing amounts of science and technology, when we're not allowed to use our mercury thermometers anymore, what about infrared thermometers? It's funny, the first thing that I used an infrared thermometer for is if you've uh, seared a steak and buy a food-based one and a lot of restaurants use them. So then I think somebody was like, hey, we use this for slabs of beef like why don't we just use them for everything how is a child not a slab of beef truly i know one don't use the one that you have in your kitchen to measure your child's temperature they are not in fact medical grade but parents really love these when they came out because they are non-contact and essentially you're putting a little red dot onto your child's forehead often when they're sleeping so when you're trying to get peace of mind that they are sleeping and not febrile but there's actually huge variability here ambient temperature also matters the hospital that i worked at also used infrared thermometers for a period of time over the pandemic and when i was a frozen popsicle it was sort of like well i guess i'm dead because i my temperature is registering as 32 degrees Celsius, but 
it's time to go to work. So I went to work and they studied this compared to an oral thermometer. This was in an older patient population in 2021 and about a thousand subjects compared oral to that non-contact infrared thermometer. And there was a huge variability. It was anywhere from minus two to one degree Celsius indifference when compared to that oral thermometer, which is just really bad. It's really bad. And there was one other really fun study that I just think is worth mentioning because it was a hilarious design is they had some healthy volunteers, adult volunteers, change their core temperatures primarily by cooling in which they put their little feetsies in a truly frigid bucket of water. I would not be able to volunteer for this study no matter how much they paid. They would have to cover like four months rent. I will not be willing to do this. Yeah, this is a study that's right up my alley. Bless these people. My people are northern people, but they had them drink really cold water whilst they had their little tootsies in the frigid bath, and they did measurements every 10 minutes using seven different devices. Some of these devices, the lowest cost that I saw was $18 all the way up to $850. Excuse me? Yep, $850. It's actually a camera, an infrared camera. Does it also fly and do your laundry? This is an extraordinary amount for a temperature device that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, laundry is unfolded still. Essentially, the gist of it is they were not testing rectal thermometers here, but the oral thermometer was, in fact, there was a reason that it was the gold standard. So those are the different types of thermometers. And you're like, man, you guys just talked a lot about all sorts of different things. But like, what should we use? What should we be? What should I buy? I would keep it simple and I would try to keep it as accurate as you can with the knowledge that fevers that are so highly consequential in babies really deserve measurement with the greatest degree of accuracy that you can get. And that is going to come from rectal thermometers. Sorry to say, until we can read their aura psychically, it's going to be that rectal thermometer that you need to use. You can consider free to baby. That one makes it pretty straightforward. It's kind of hard to get yourself into trouble with that. There's a wide variety of 6 to $8 price point options on Amazon, at Walmart, at Target, at lots of local neighborhood stores that if you put a little label on it, don't use it for other orifices if you use it rectally. The rectal thermometer is never the oral thermometer. They're not interchangeable. You can buy one that can be used for either, but absolutely designate which one you're using it for. Get yourself a couple. So for babies, always use that rectal one. If somebody is cooperative and able to keep it in that sublingual one or socket for long enough that it takes for it to produce a reading, you can try that digital oral thermometer, usually after two years old, sometimes three to four to five is the time to start doing that. And then if you have just a truly uncooperative child or an uncooperative adult like myself, you can consider a tympanic thermometer if you pull that ear up and angle it appropriately and don't go too deeply. I feel like I'm always the person giving this kind of like bad news bears. You need to be really cautious about what you're reading and how things are being tested. If you think about the studies that we were looking at patient populations like a thousand people or a review that covered 12,000 people. Multinational studies, multi-year studies. Yeah, these are huge scale studies when they're comparing how accurate different types of measurements are. When I took just a little gander and Googled what is the best thermometer for my child, a couple of things came up. And if you aren't reading the fine print about their process, there's usually a link that you can go to. One of them, bestreviews.com. I'm not trying to specifically hate on best reviews, but they looked at 59 different models. They 
consulted 60, six zero consumers, so not physicians, not nurses, not medical providers, and they did research for 26 hours. Compare that to the 12,000 patients across all comers, I feel really more comfortable with that. Similarly, in a hilarious turn of events, CNET, it's another website that I use a lot for other types of reviews. It was one person testing it on his two children. The two children were a 10-month-old and a three-year-old, so I appreciate that there was a little variability in their patient population of two, but the perspective there that might be useful as a parent is ease of use. And I understand that ease of use doesn't necessarily translate to best or most accurate. And then similarly, even big parenting magazines are reliant on what's called expert opinion, which that means that they just talk to a pediatrician. The pediatrician hopefully gave them some good guidance of things to look out for, things not to look out for, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the person who is writing the article itself and making the recommendation has interpreted the medical literature. And then last but not least, there are huge compendiums of website reviews where they basically are just compiling reviews from across these big search engines. So you know how when you go on Amazon and it's like a 4.6 out of 5 stars and then you start scrolling through how many reviews they've been. This is what those websites are doing. They're just compiling over this population of people who have bought it, but these are not people who are necessarily thinking about some of the things that we are thinking about and why it matters to be so specific about thermometers. Bad news bears over. You bring up a really important point that for something that is highly anxiety provoking, where you want to be accurate and you want to, within reason, spare no expense for your child, there's a tremendous opportunity for predatory, essentially, behaviors. Accuracy matters so deeply here, and all of these studies are done because this is such a consequential measurement. This is so important and can really make that difference between a spinal tap or a hospital admission or antibiotics through an IV versus going home. But sometimes keeping it simple is the best, although I don't know if a rectal measurement is ever that simple. It's certainly one of those where ease of use does matter. The American Academy of Pediatrics offers a lot of resources that are up to date that are rigorously reviewed and updates them when practice changes happen. So we will direct you to some links from them. They have some pretty amazing 1970s style pictures of how to take a rectal temperature properly. If you're looking at a couple of models, never get the $850 thermometer that doesn't do your laundry. That's a scam. But if you're looking at a couple different models, feel free to show it to your pediatrician and see what they think. There may be features that concern them. There may be features that they like, and they would be the ones that knowing your child would be better able to direct you for your needs and for your child's specific developmental stage because there are absolutely some four and five-year-olds that may not be able to keep that sibling wall pocket in there long enough and they may be a better candidate for a quick tympanic or a different kind of screening measurement. So I'd encourage you to use evidence-based resources and your pediatrician as well, but maybe less use of CNET or some of these other resources that are out there. We wish you luck. I think it's very tough. And challenging to take rectal temperature. I think it's challenging to take all sorts of temperatures. Shall we recap? Yeah, let's do it. Let's sum up this first practical episode related to our fever series with a few not-so-gentle reminders and practical tips. The first not-so-gentle reminder is that 
unfortunately, the most accurate way to obtain a temperature for children under two years old is no one's favorite, the rectal thermometer. So your child are in, what is the environment that you're in? If you just got in from a super toasty day or a super frigid day and then are trying to use one of the infrared thermometers or one of the touch thermometers, you might not be getting an accurate reading. So just be a little bit mindful of that depending on which tool you do choose to use. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We would love it if you subscribed and left a five-star review. We do want this to be helpful to you. So we are eager for your feedback and you can hunt us down in a lot of ways. Yeah, please hunt us down at notsogentlereminder at gmail.com. You can DM us on Instagram at notsogentlereminder. You can call us, ideally not during the rectal temperature acquisition phase, but perhaps after. Let us know how it went. We need all your hands. Wash your hands. That sounds great. 917-426-6908 is our number. And you can call us. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about. Any feedback that you have about how to make this more useful for you. Please see our show notes for links and our website, notsogentlereminder.com, for episode transcripts. Our next episode will be an additional medical episode. We actually split it up into a couple of different parts because we have a great guest with us, Dr. Matthew Grossman, who will tell us all about why we take fevers in babies a lot more seriously and differently than we consider fevers in other children. So I do encourage you to listen to that. He was a wonderful discussion. Here comes our disclaimer. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. This podcast does not represent the opinions of our employers. It is purely for education and entertainment. Every child and every family is unique. If you are experiencing a medical emergency, please call 911. If you have specific questions about the care of your child, please be in touch with their doctor. Doctor.